This next year, in 2020, NDA's annual convention is going to be held in Austin, Texas, February 22nd through the 25th. And here to discuss our convention is our convention chair, Tim Ramon, uh, president of J.R. Ramon Demolition. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Justin. Glad to be here. Well, we're certainly excited for next year's convention. Uh, this will be our third year with live demo, and uh, we feel like we've got a lot of really good stuff lined up for everybody. Um, we're going to be staying at the Fairmont downtown, uh, right next to the convention center, so um, really going to be a great time. I think this last year we had close to 1,100 attendees. We had uh, over 90 exhibitors, and uh, live demolition, of course, um, was one of the highlights with, with almost 700 attendees. We're expecting similar numbers next year. So, um, Tim, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the theme this year and how does it relate to the industry? I'm real excited about the theme. Uh, our theme this year is going to be taking demolition to the next generation. Um, when the committee got together in order to uh, decide on this thing, we felt that it lent itself in a great way to uh, show the the transitional um, generational businesses that uh, that are involved in demolition, as well as the next generation of leadership and demolition technology. Um, so there was two different aspects of this, and as we progress forward with it, uh, it's really showing up uh, throughout the theme of the entire show with all of the events and speakers that we have. So it's taking demolition to the next generation. That's great. I mean, I, I know, uh, you know, within the demolition industry right now, we're getting ready to um, ha pass the baton, if you will, a lot of the first generation now um, passing the baton to the second generation in, in a lot of these companies. Um, also with the advent of robotics, um, both for safety and um, workforce, um, it's really going to be neat. I mean, I know last year's uh, or this year's live demolition, we had a robotics competition. Uh, we're going to have some robotics again as well in the exhibit hall, so it's really going to be fun. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the uh, uh, keynote speaker and how it relates to the series theme. Oh, sure, absolutely. Uh, going along with the theme, taking gener uh, demolition to the next generation, uh, we have engaged with an individual, his name is Seth Madison. And uh, Seth is just a, a renowned speaker, an expert, author, uh, but mainly he's a futurist. And he comes in and helps and influences business leaders around the world on uh, on what um, the future of a workplace looks like. Uh, and it's like the work mentality. So Seth will blow you away with his perspective on the future of work, leadership, change, innovation. His enthusiasm on the stage is just off the charts. He's really engaging with the audience. Um, his stage presence, I think any of the attendees, they'll be engulfed with an experience that just offers a lot of insight uh, to a workplace environment, and they'll be able to grasp things that they could take home and immediately implement in order to change their work experience, uh, change their work experience for their coworkers and even their customers. Um, it's just 
success offers a different way to look at leadership and the roles of your business and how it creates improvement from fundamental levels. So uh, it's something not to miss for sure. Seth Madison. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, I know, you know, particularly in demolition, um, you know, innovation um, and thinking outside the box is always forefront for any practitioner in the industry. I think a new way of looking at things and what, what you're describing as Seth brings is going to be um, some key takeaways for a lot of attendees. So um, that's great. Um, I'm glad, you know, the, the convention committee was very thoughtful in picking out the speaker. So um, it's great to hear a little bit more about it. Um, speaking of um, innovation in the industry, um, and innovation at the National Demolition Association. This will be the third year of live demolition. And for those who haven't attended, can you explain what it is? And for those um, who have, you know, what's new this year, Tim? Uh, the live demolition event is uh, what the NDA engaged in about three years ago, and it's an opportunity for those of us engaged in the demolition industry to really get a hands-on feel of demolition equipment. Um, so the live event is it takes place out in a natural setting where attendees can actually run the equipment that uh, that they're interested in in uh, looking at or, or pursuing. Uh, we have this year we'll have over 30 pieces of heavy equipment and demolition specific attachments and tools that um that like i say attendees can run they can talk to the experts about how they were built and their special features and then they can actually get on them and crush concrete or cut steel or move debris just to see how those innovations are really affect and and make the machine uh, improve the machines uh, aside from just the heavy equipment and attachments, uh, we'll also have hand tools, concrete cutting tools, um, and uh, drones, robots. Uh, there'll be a little competition on the site. Uh, it's being held at a landfill in Dalton. And I say landfill. Uh, Texas Disposal Systems does operate about a 1,500-acre space of landfill. But next to it, they have a 1,500-acre wild safari, um, uh, a safari or exotic animal refuge. So this live demo event really offers something for the whole family. You, know, you can come and get your hands dirty and operate some of the heavy demolition equipment, as well as take the family on a safari tour. I believe they have over 180 different species of exotic and protected animals from throughout the world. A really neat, interesting place. Well, that's so cool. I know that um, the first year it was held, it was it was held in this space, and there were indeed a lot of families there. Folks um, went on tours of the safari, like you said. Um, there's going to be lunch that'll be served there. It really, will be a whole uh, an event for the whole family. Um, really looking forward to that competition portion of it. That should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, and as I was speaking to some folks about live demolition, some of the owners and um, executives in the companies thought, you know, this is really my chance to see um, and shop, you know, around at equipment. Uh, I think one of the owners I was talking to this last year was saying, you know, this would normally be like a three-month process 
uh, for me, taking folks from my office to like go out and visit the machine, test it out, et cetera, go to the next one. Um, and he told me, he said, this saves me, you know, at least 100 hours of staff time and doing the research and then going to visit the locations and test out the machinery. Um, and I can just bring my, you know, executives um, in the office and then we can go hop around from machine to machine and really kick the tires. Um, so, you know, I know that that will be a must-attend event for a lot of folks. Um, it'll be on the front end. And I think, Tim, there's a little something else that you're doing um, in regards to, to uh, demonstration training, and that will be on the Saturday. Did you want to chat just a little bit about that? Yeah, that is something new that we're doing uh, this year. And the day before the live demolition event, uh, to really encourage um, attendees to bring their field staff and operatives. It's not just a place where you can kind of kick the tires and, and buy or purchase equipment. You can also learn how to maintain them, inspect them, proper operation of them. We are having a four-hour training course that is going to be coupled with a superintendent training course on demolition equipment. Um, there will be instructions by the manufacturers on how to properly inspect shears and, and processors, how to properly size them. An invaluable experience for any demolition operative out in the field to have this knowledge. And it's all demolition specific. Uh, we're talking about demolition attachments, demolition robots, demolition high-reach machines. This is a, something very specific to the industry, and it's really going to be a, an advantage for those that attend. Well, that's fantastic. So just today I had somebody uh, contact me that um, is uh, one of the owners of a crusher company about exhibiting. So. Um, I know we're going to have a lot of pieces of machinery out there, but for those that are listening right now that are interested in maybe showcasing some of their products or exhibiting, um, you know, I know you can go to the website and there's a video there that will show you the live demo. Was there any other information you want folks to take away um, that are considering exhibiting or? Yeah, well, the, Demolition Association website is just a wealth of information, and that's at uh, demolitionassociation.com. Uh, anybody that is wanting some specifics or to discuss some details of, of an arrangement, I'm going to refer them over to Ryan Leach. Uh, Ryan is our sales manager with the NDA staff. He can be reached at rleach, that's R-L-E-A-C-H, at demolitionassociation.com. Or his number, give him a call at 202-367-2429. And Ron will be able to discuss with you a little bit more in depth um, and elaborate more about the opportunities that are there uh, to exhibit or sponsor or participate in the demolition show. Um, also, we have some registration uh dates that are already online and you can register at our at our website uh the early bird deadline is january 10th so i encourage everybody to get registered up early um there are some room blocks uh hotel there are room blocks at the fairmont hotel in austin uh that deadline is january 28th but don't wait the, the rooms book up very quickly. And the Fairmont Hotel is just a beautiful hotel, brand new in Austin and connected to the convention center. So very convenient for the show. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you, Tim. And um, again, for those of you uh, listening that want more information, you can go to demolitionassociation.com and go under Education and Events at Demolition Austin. Uh, all the information is housed there. And uh, Tim, I just wanted to thank you and the committee for all the work you guys have been doing to put this, this whole thing together. A lot of moving parts here. going to be a fantastic, um, you know, we have a great closing night party, um, great opening reception, and um, anything else before we let you go, Tim? I just look forward to ha having everybody come by and, uh, and join us. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic time, and we appreciate uh, everybody's efforts that has brought this together. Um, so we'll see you in Austin, February 23rd, 24th, 25th, uh, Austin, Texas, for the Demolition Association Annual Convention. Thank you very much, Tim. And thank you, everybody. Look forward to seeing you in Austin. Joining us on the podcast today is Dan Sowry, who currently serves as the Assistant Chief in Ohio EPA's Office of Compliance Assistance and Pollution, who recently spoke with some NDA members at the Ohio Valley Region Council event. So Dan, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me on here. So I thought a good place to start would be the Ohio Materials Marketplace. So would you be able to just, uh, first of all, how, how does that work and how did it come into existence? So the Ohio Materials Marketplace, it's, it's kind of like an online dating service for waste. It's, so it's kind of like eHarmony meets Craigslist. So it's a a free online platform for businesses and other organizations to connect and find reuse and recycling solutions for waste and other byproduct materials. In other words, businesses out there may have some materials that they no longer have a use for, or maybe it's, uh, it could be free material, it could be byproducts from their process. Um, so they can post this onto an online platform and other folks that are looking to maybe source those materials, or if you have recycling outlets that are looking for materials, uh, those are where these folks can go in there, um, find out if it's in close proximity to them. It does have a, a platform that allows you to interact, so you can uh, start a conversation with the provider of the material. Uh, there's no money exchange on it, but it does allow you to uh, you know, talk about whatever the money may be, and it also allows you to figure out how far away the person is from you. It has a mapping feature. It'll figure out their transportation costs. There's transporters already embedded into the, the software that can help uh, make sure, because the big thing that kills uh, transactions is just the transportation to and from. The, the big difference between this platform and the other platforms that are out there we used to have a platform in the past called the Ohio Materials Exchange, or OMEX, because we love to make everything an acronym, but it died a slow and painful death. And the reason is, is because kind of like Craigslist, it was a static platform that uh, it was just a list of materials. And there wasn't anybody behind the scenes making sure that it was updated. Um, and there was nobody trying to actively promote those transactions. So it was just a static list. So when that thing died, we said, boy, you know what, we need to, we want to lead the circular economy. And I can explain that if you guys aren't sure what I'm talking about there. Um, but we want to lead the circular economy with having some kind of online platform for folks to be able to exchange these materials. But we are actively behind the scenes. And when I say we, I'm talking about our confidential staff, not the inspectors. 
we're actively behind the scenes trying to um, make these transactions happen. So on Craigslist, you can post your little kid's tricycle that you're trying to get somebody to find, but if nobody's on Craigslist looking for that tricycle, they're not gonna know it's there and you may not get a, a transaction. But on this, we're actively behind the scenes trying to hook people up, or I should say hook the waste up with each other. Oh, that's really neat. I was, I was thinking, you know, do other states have anything like this or, or is this pretty unique? Um, it is somewhat unique in that Ohio is the first to have a statewide active type of platform. We worked with the United States Business Council for Sustainable Development. They're a nonprofit organization out of Austin, Texas. And they, they are the ones that introduced this Ohio materials marketplace to us. So since Ohio has jumped on board Tennessee, Michigan, and now the entire state of Texas, it used to just be the city of Austin, now have this materials marketplace as well. Um, to find more information, you go to go.materialsmarketplace.org, and that'll, if you're in a different state, if you're in the state of Ohio, you go to ohio.materialsmarketplace.org, or if you can't remember that, just go to Google and type in Ohio Materials Marketplace and you'll definitely find it. Well, that's great. And so I'm thinking you, you kind of touched on this with some other states, and I'm trying to think of if there's anything that for our members who are listening from other states, if they want to encourage their states to get something similar, do you think it's worth... Uh, you know, petitioning some elected officials or something or talking with the regional EPA staff? What do you think they could do if they want to uh, follow suit here? Absolutely. I, I think the best thing that they would need to do is to contact United States Business Council for Sustainable Development. And that's a mouthful. So they call themselves USBCSD, which I guess that's a mouthful of an acronym. But their phone number is 512 5417, or you can email them at info at usbcfd.org. Well, that's great. That's some really good information on that Ohio's materials marketplace. Um, I'd like to uh, also talk to you a little bit about the Ohio grant program. So um, similar to before, can you just talk a little bit about how that came about and uh, how it works to start off? Yeah, the, the, the grant program, how it came about, it was actually in another state agency. It was the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. And what they did was they had a recycling program that now has been moved into Ohio Environmental Protection Agency, the agency I'm in. But the intent was to try to keep materials out of the landfill. So what they did was they took a small little portion of the uh, landfill disposal fees and started putting that into a pot of money. And it has since matured to the point where we uh, provide $4 million in grants every year. So there's four different grant categories. The one I think that would really pertain to uh, this audience is the market development grants. So these market development grants, they're up to $200,000 with 100% match. And it's a two-year grant, and it covers any type of recycling-related type of equipment. So if you need a cardboard baler or you need a plastic baler, if you, um, from the demolition uh, industry, if you need a crusher or a screener and you can show that crushing that material on site makes it more amendable for recycling and it's worth more, then we can fund uh, up to $200,000 for that equipment. Now, it's 100% matched, so what that means is 
if the equipment costs $400,000, which some of those crushers and screeners definitely do, we can fund up to 200,000 of that. You bring 200,000 and everybody's happy. You do work through a, a public sponsor, and that's typically the solid waste management district in your area. And it, like I said, it's a two-year grant. So we will give out the first 50% of the grant um, in the first year. And then in the second year, when everything's purchased and the project's wrapping up, we will um, fund the second half of it. Well, I was going to ask about some of the benefits. And I think right away, this is pretty obvious where uh, through this program, you're getting uh, some supplemental funding for that equipment. So I think that's, that's pretty substantial and, and beneficial right there. Are there, I was wondering if there's any other benefits um, to the program. And then I was going to ask you about other states, because I was really curious, you know, if this exists really anywhere else. Um, you know, I think, I, I mean, I've heard of some states doing uh, certain things, but that seems pr like a pretty generous program in Ohio. So I wanted to see if you were aware of any other programs like uh, this one. Yeah, and the, the state of Ohio has such a huge industrial base um, as compared to a lot of other states, uh, only short to Texas and California. But because of that, um, we have a lot of industry that um, definitely could use that money to help start their uh, recycling type of related projects. So, and then it also helps Ohio uh, going more towards the circular economy that I, that I spoke about earlier. Um, in terms of other states, yes, most other states have a recycling-related type of funding program, but the best thing you can do to find out is to reach out, if you're not in the state of Ohio, reach out to your solid waste management district in your area, um, basically the, the landfill and the folks that collect your trash, and reach out to those, it's typically county folks, but reach out to those folks and see if they have a similar program in your state. Well, that's great. That's some really interesting information about that grant program. And I think I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be, <clears throat> would be interested in hearing um, a little bit more, or I should say not hearing, but looking um, for some more information about that. So we appreciate that information. I wanted to just wrap it up with one question generally uh, with regard to EPA uh, and specifically that's how our members, our listeners can best work with EPA. Um, what are some of the common pitfalls you know, that you see and how can our members avoid them? Just generally speaking, what are some of those, uh, those ways that our members can, can best work with, uh, with EPA? So I, I think the, the number one pitfall that I see is, at least I, I'm a small business owner as well on the side. And, and what I see is, is businesses aren't trying to do the wrong thing. They just don't know what the right thing is. And they're not so quick to, hey, call up EPA and say, hey, how can I get myself in trouble today by telling you I'm doing everything wrong? So the number one th pitfall that I see is, is that businesses are scared to ask uh, the questions for fear of learning the answer. So what I recommend is um, reaching out to your small business environmental assistance program in your state. Just about every single state has a program very similar to the program that we run, where we act as free consultants, free and confidential consultants within the agency. So we're not inspectors. Um, we don't cite violations. All we do is we try to help businesses keep out of trouble. And typically when businesses get inspected, if you end up with a notice of violation from the agency, that's typically where we end up helping them. That's probably 90% of the help that we provide. 
is helping those businesses get out of trouble so they doesn't end up going forward into actual fines. Um, to get a hold of your small business environmental assistance program, there's a national group, um, and I actually head up the Region 5, so that's the six states within US EPA Region 5. Um, but you go to National SBEAP for Small Business Environmental Assistance Program.org, and it'll provide you with every single state's version of our program that has free and confidential assistance to help you through all these issues. So when you call these folks, it's all confidential. You don't have to worry about it getting to the inspectors or the enforcement staff. And these folks, I know it sounds cliche, but they're really just there to try to help you as a small business deal with all these regulations. That's great. I think that's some good information for, for our members. And I know that's a question we get uh, sometimes, you know, just about the best way to both work with federal agencies like EPA and then um, <clears throat> some of the ways that they can, they can avoid those pitfalls. So uh, that wraps up my questions. And so, Dan, I'd just like to uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with us on our podcast. And we really appreciate all of that insight. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much for having me. Here are some updates in government affairs. NDA recently submitted comments on OSHA's proposed rule to revise the standards for occupational exposure to beryllium and beryllium compounds in the construction and shipyard industries. These proposed changes are designed to accomplish three goals according to OSHA, to more appropriately tailor the requirements of the construction and shipyard standards to the particular exposures in these industries in light of partial overlap between the beryllium standards requirements and other OSHA standards, to aid compliance and enforcement across the beryllium standards by avoiding inconsistency, where appropriate, between the shipyards and construction standards and proposed revisions to the general industry standard, and to clarify certain requirements with respect to materials containing only trace amounts of beryllium. You can access a copy of NDA's comments through the NDA website. On October 23rd, the Senate Appropriations Committee Chairman Richard Shelby said that Congress remained deadlocked on spending negotiations and that another continuing resolution, or CR, would likely be needed to keep the government funded after November 21st. Chairman Shelby stated that the short-term CR will likely run through February or March of next year. Recently, the Senate began floor consideration of four appropriations bills for fiscal year 2020, including agriculture, commerce, justice, and science, interior and environment, and transportation, housing, and urban development bills. The House has passed 10 of the 12 required appropriations bills to date. Stay tuned for some more updates on appropriations. In a floor speech on October 23rd, Senate Finance Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley said that the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, or USMCA, looked increasingly unlikely to pass this year. Chairman Grassley accused House Democrats of a lack of urgency in reaching a compromise with the Trump administration to address their concerns related to labor, environment, intellectual property, and enforcement provisions in the USMCA. Congress is also running out of available floor time to consider the USMCA in 2019, with only two months left on the calendar and the prospect of impeachment proceedings looming in each chamber. Pursuant to the Trade Promotion Authority, or TPA, process, 
the USMCA must be approved by the House of Representatives within 60 legislative days after the administration submits implementing legislation to Congress, which it has not yet done. Once it is approved in the House, the Senate then has 30 legislative days to vote on passage. We'll have some more updates soon on the USMCA. Welcome to another episode of Demolition Now, the official podcast of the National Demolition Association. I'm your host, Kevin McKenney, Director of Government Affairs for NDA. First, please make sure to subscribe to Demolition Now via iTunes or Stitcher. You can also listen to us online through the NDA website. On this episode of Demolition Now, I'll speak with Ohio EPA's Dan Sowry about the Ohio Materials Marketplace and the Ohio Grant Program. Then, NDA Executive Director Jeff Lambert discusses the exciting opportunities that will be available at Demolition Austin in February with NDA Convention Committee Chair Tim Ramone. So stay with us. (music) 